Podcast Network Asia. This is an experiment. What do billionaires, cultural icons, and world-class athletes have in common? I'm about to find out. I'm John Aguilar, serial entrepreneur, former decathlete, and creator and host of the CNN Philippines business reality show, The Final Pitch. Each week, I try to unlock the secrets of Asia's world-class performers to come up with hacks that I can apply in my own life. My goal is to have you apply them in yours. This is the podcast designed to change your life. This is Methods to Greatness. Welcome to Methods to Greatness. This podcast is designed to be an actionable guide to be the best you can possibly be. In most of the episodes, I will bring to you interviews designed to unlock and test the best methods, habits, and practices of world-class Asians. They are billionaires, legends, and icons from different fields of endeavor. I will attempt to unlock their secrets and at one point, test them out for myself. My name is John Aguilar. I'm a former decathlete and a serial entrepreneur and TV producer from Manila, Philippines. I'm the creator and host of the CNN Philippines business reality show, The Final Pitch, and CEO of the technology venture builder, Dragon's Nest. Greetings to our listeners from the Philippines, Asia, and beyond. Our guest for today runs a business that I've loved ever since I was a kid growing up. He's a sportsman, a longtime businessman and entrepreneur, founder of the running specialty store, Runner, and the street lifestyle retail store, Urban Athletics. But to many, he is best known as the president and namesake of the Philippines' largest sporting goods chain, Toby Sports. He is none other than Toby Claudio. Toby's been a friend from way back, but I've learned so many things from this interview, as I hope you will too. President Toby Claudio, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I called you president because just to give people some context, you were actually my president in this um, organization that we're a part of, which is JCI Manila, or Junior Chamber International Manila. So for those who don't know what JCI Manila, or JCI for that matter, is, could you please share with our listeners exactly what JCI is about? Okay, so uh, it used to be called the JCs, uh, Junior Chamber International, uh, as it's known now. And our chapter, JCI Manila, has been around for gee, almost 70 years already. No? Um, it's one of the leading uh, leadership development organizations, um, not just in the Philippines, not just in Asia, but uh, uh, also in the world. There are thousands of JCI chapters globally, and uh, of them, though, only one chapter has the um, claim to having won the most best chapter awards, and that is JCI Manila. Um, so it has a long and proud heritage of developing uh, leaders, young leaders, uh, below the age of 40. And uh, among them, uh, several senators, congressmen, and uh, many, many business leaders uh, in the Philippines. What was it like being the president of one of the most prestigious organizations, youth organizations here in the country? Um, you, you led it for a year. You were the president for a year. Um, what was it like uh, being the president of JCI Manila? Uh, it was a huge responsibility um, and uh, 
you know, once in a lifetime learning opportunity. Um, I grew up around the JCs or JCI because my, my, my dad was also a JCI Manila member, an officer, and uh, eventually a senator. And, uh, you know, he was a very passionate JC uh, when I was a young kid. Uh, so when I ended up uh, joining, I really didn't have many much expectations, um, seeing that, you know, there were so many guys around me who were so much more um, accomplished, successful, um, and uh, bigger names in business. No? But after, you know, after learning, you know, really what uh, the essence of uh, the JCI movement was about, it was really, you know, molding young leaders to create positive change in the community. And uh, the biggest legacy of JCI is uh, not the projects that we accomplish, although we do many, many good projects um, for the community. Uh, the biggest legacy is really uh, the leaders that we create. You know? And uh, being a leader among leaders is, is you know, very, very you know, unique and uh, very fulfilling uh, opportunity. We have 300 members. Uh, you don't pay any salary to any of them. And yet uh, you have to... Uh, you have to get them to work uh, for the projects of the chapter. Um, so it really teaches you about leadership. Um, and that was uh, an invaluable lesson. I consider it equivalent to taking a master's degree. I didn't take an MBA. Uh, so I consider my stint uh, as uh, president of JCI Manila as you know, the closest thing I could get to taking a real world in master's in leadership. Yes, you know, the, the one who recruited me, um, Ken, uh, who was a member of your board and who became the president of the organization immediately after you, uh, shared a few things about um, what he thought uh, you were as a leader at that time. He, he told me specifically that um, there was something about your leadership that really captivated the, the membership of the organization. It was your willingness to think of really big projects to the point that they would actually be very scary um, and, and like you said, you know, all, all of you were uh, uh, volunteers. No one was getting paid. So the ability of the leader of the organization to rally everyone was very dependent on your ability to get the buy-in of the membership, which is exactly what he said you were excellent at. He said that right. Right. aside from getting the buy-in of people, just to have someone like you with this visionary mindset is, I think, what enabled you to really convince people of the merits of your bigger-than-life projects? Well, you know, I think it's just more fun that way. Uh, we start the year, every term starts with a blank slate, and uh, you decide what kind of projects you want to make, what kind of difference you want to make uh, to the community and to the members of the chapter. You know? So I figured that, uh, you know, shooting for something big, um, having a big, hairy, audacious goal, is uh, it's, it's going to be more fun for, for the members to try and pull off. You know? And when we do and when we did pull it off, um, it really did uh, uh, have that, uh, you know, have all the benefits and uh, really felt good. You know? A very rewarding experience. Now let's talk about some of the projects that you did that time. So you being an athlete yourself and you being Toby of Toby Sports, obviously sports would play a big part of the projects that you would eventually come up with. And I would say legacy project that you have with JCI Manila, which was the Field of Dreams. That was a very, I would say, ambitious project that from what I know, really started from you and your board going to Smoky Mountain, which 
for people who don't know what Smoky Mountain is, it's a, it's, it's a mountain of trash um, that uh, eventually, because of this project, you were able to create something out of that. Can you, can you share with us exactly what that project was about? Because I know that really created an impact uh, years down the road, even after your stint. Well, it started with a very simple uh, outreach. Um, we went to a very underprivileged, really impoverished community, which lived right beside a, the biggest garbage dump in Metro Manila, which had been decommissioned many years ago. No? Um, and they call it Smoky Mountain. Um, Smoky Mountain because, you know, it's perpetually smoking um, because of, I think, methane or, you know, people burning trash. And it's still a mountain of uh, trash is what, what it is. And there's a community that has uh, um, built uh, uh, their, their, their homes around it. You know? um, and we, we were there for an outreach. And um, the, the head of the community pulled me aside and just said, you know, hey, do you know that we have a baseball field here? It's right here on the mountain, right, right beside it, right at the foot of the mountain. Um, and I said, okay, this I got to see for myself. And, uh, you know, having been a baseball player since I was a kid, all the way up to college in, in UP, you know, baseball is very close to my heart. So I said, yeah, definitely take us there. And I, I pulled together the rest of my uh, board mates and uh, we hopped, hopped over to the, to the site. And true enough, you know, right in the midst of all the trash, they had cleared out a little open space, which was overgrown with grass, uh, some grass, but mostly uh, dirt and garbage. And they had set up a diamond, no? and they were, they, they, they were playing baseball there. And when we came, they weren't even using gloves. No? They, they showed us the, the equipment they were using. They, they had uh, fashioned um, uh, baseball, makeshift baseball gloves from, from sandals, you know, rubber sandals, and cardboard. Wow. But as I watched them throw, and you know, play catch. It actually made them really good uh, baseball players because to be able to catch a ball with just uh, a piece of cardboard, um, you have to be, you have to have very good technique. No, but true enough, they're playing baseball, and we just looked at each other. You know, my 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 directors and I just looked at each other and said, "Wow, you know, I think so." Because we also grew up in the '80s, we remember the Kevin Costner movie Field of Dreams. Right. And, you know, just a light bulb said, no, we, we got to turn this into a real proper baseball field. And, and that's where the, the, you know, the dream started. No? So uh, that year, 2010, my, my board and I came up with that project, Field of Dreams, as part of a bigger community development program for Smoky Mountain called Dare to Care. Because truly, you know, that community was so, um, so uh, deserving of help. because. Um, they, they live beside the, the, the garbage dump because they, they earn a living of uh, scavenging. Uh, and it, it's the whole family who scavenges, uh, not just the, the, the adults, the parents, but even the kids. You know? So they, they don't go to school. Their parents don't encourage them to go to school. Worst way to, go, to grow up as a kid. And yet there was this, this you know, beacon of hope for that uh, field. And when we converted it into a baseball field, a real one of the best looking baseball fields i've ever seen, i've ever played on in the philippines no proper grass proper landscaping a, uh, you know a backstop all the kids just wanted to play and there were thousands of kids in that community 
and they wanted to play, but we, they had one rule. They made one brilliant rule. No? You couldn't join the team. You couldn't play as part of the Smoky Mountain baseball or softball team. If you didn't go to school, stay in school and keep good grades. You know? And, you know, I guess the, 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 best, uh, the best result, you know, the best reward from that was seeing to this date, no? I think there have been more than 10 uh, kids who grew up in Smoky Mountain playing who have already earned scholarships to colleges in the Philippines. Wow. College uh, scholarships uh, to play softball and baseball, no? both boys and girls that got them through college and some have actually already graduated. So, so that is, you know, um, I, I guess one really good example of making a difference, you know, of something start big starting from something small. And, uh, you know, by them graduating, you're, you're sure that, you know, that their family um, has, has, you know, a different future ahead of them. None of us could have uh, possibly thought that it would come out of just building a baseball field, carving it out of a, a garbage dump. It, it's a great case study, really, of how sports changes lives. No? I mean, even from the onset, uh, the fact that the kids had a place to play uh, whereas before that area was where they would, uh, uh, you, you would see a lot of kids using drugs uh, in that in that area, you no, know, because it was dark, it was it was uh, secluded, and um, and from you know being you know on drugs to suddenly playing uh, sports and being competitive, uh, joining tournaments. They even went abroad, you know. They they joined tournaments abroad. People would come to play. Teams would come to play here from Japan. Um, they would send pro baseball players from, from Japan to, to teach the kids, to coach the kids, uh, care of our sister chapters from Japan. The U.S. Embassy, uh, two American ambassadors uh, uh, have visited uh, Smoky Mountain and made, made it all, took on the cost also and helped them out. And huge corporate sponsors like uh, Petron and, uh, and others. Uh, and of course, Gawad Kalinga as our, as our partner. No? Okay, going back to Ken a while ago, he also shared with me a moment where you shared with your board this book uh, by David Allen called Getting Things Done. So it's a book that he said you, you, you shared with the board um, as a way to be able to guide um, you guys as you go about your different projects throughout that year. Can you talk to me about uh, the learnings, the important takeaways that you got from Dave Allen yeah. with that book. Yeah. I'm surprised he told you about that. Huh? Well, it was my way of telling them that, you know, I want you on my team. I want you on my board if you, ca if you guys can get things done. <laughs> so, okay. And, and uh, I used that book as a basis because, uh, you know, from firsthand experience, it really, you know, really helped me a lot. It, when asked, you know, what two books, I, I think um, I would recommend uh, anyone to, to read if they want to become successful at anything is um, uh, getting things done and the power of habit and maybe spark the, sci the science of exercise in the mind. Yeah, going back to getting, getting things done though. Um, that book has a very, very simple uh, formula. It, the, I guess the best analogy is if, if you want to hit a good forehand uh, in tennis, if you want to uh, clear the pole vault, you know, um, there's the right form, you know, there's a way to do it that's been proven over time. 
the technique has been uh, studied and perfected. And it's just something that you have to learn and drill, ingrain in yourself. And if and when you can execute it um, without thinking about it, uh, then you can successfully pull off uh, that you know, masterful stroke. And uh, getting things done is simply the business equivalent of that. You know? If you, if you want to get something done, there's a formula to how you get from point A to point Z. You know? And uh, the book just gives you the step-by-step. And what I love about it is, you know, it really you know, opened my mind that what the, the science behind the being a master at sports can also be applied to work. And it just made perfect sense to me, you know, because ever since I was a kid, I was watching uh, replays of Andre Agassi's forehand, uh, Roger Federer's backhand, among others. You know? So apparently, but you know, when when you when it comes to work, nobody nobody really tells you that you know there's there's a there's a right and wrong way to do it. They just tell you to get on with it. You no, know? but now you know after I I uh, studied and uh, adopted the GTD system, the getting things done system, um, it's indispensable for me. You no. Know? Um, I have it on my laptop and on my iPhone, and even when something comes to me, um, whether it's a task, um, whether it's a mundane task or a big project or just an errand, you know, I, I, I put it, jot it down on my phone, automatically syncs to my uh, laptop, and you just have to tag context and due date and um, uh, the project and just break it down into really, really small tasks. Uh, that are achievable almost automatically and the software organizes it for you and uh, when you sit down and get to work you just check off one by one those those uh, routine tasks ever since I adopted that you know um, um, I've got a lot more work done uh, I have to say I was a lot more organized than I was before you know? um, have the tendency to be you know have so many things going on in my head at the same time so I needed the system really to 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 help me so it's one of the you know best habits I picked up on to be honest late in life but yeah I, I recommend it uh, very highly so I've, I've thought uh, I've taught it to my uh, to my all my staff uh, and recommended it uh, to, to all my managers as well and taught it to the to the board and and give it given a few seminars in JCI Manila about it too I can see why Toby's as an organization right now is just so put together. I think it really starts from the top. If you have someone who's leading the organization in a way that, I guess, values consistency, values really getting things done, um, I think you know, it's really top down for you. I think that's also testament to the growth, uh, not just of Toby's, but also the other brands that you've been able to put up through the years. Yeah, you know, there's so many, so many big things come out of small things. And um, just going back to getting things done, no? I, I think JC's and, and like you said, starting a brand, those were two things in my bucket list that, uh, you know, I, I had sat on for a long, long time. One was to become president of JCI Manila. Another one was to start a new business. And for some reason, you know, they had been on my list for more than five years. And I never moved. No, um, there, there was no progress made at all on both of them uh, until I started using getting things done, and I simply put it down as, you know, a project. You know, start a new business, and uh, 
the the discipline is okay if that's something you want to happen someday what, what's the first step you know what's 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 the most elementary step to that and my first step was research ideas for um new businesses and literally that's what i typed on google ideas for new businesses this is how <laughs> clueless i was and i came the first i think the first hit was uh, a website selling logos for new businesses um that had been designed by artists but were rejected okay by those who commissioned those artists so they put them up for sale uh in case somebody else wanted to buy them and one logo caught my eye it was, you know really stood out um and uh it was called runner r u n n r and the logo of a, uh, a man a running man and the minute i saw it I said wow this is a cool brand no and, and the logo it's all set and it was i think for sale for around uh, $400 $400 and you know i said okay it's nice but i don't need it you know what am i going to do with it i'm looking for a new business and at the time we only had tobies and i was uh, and you know the history is my father named it after me when i was 5 years old because it started out as a toy store and uh, i was 5 so he said you know i'm not going to name it after myself his name is bobby he named it after his five-year-old kid, Toby. No, because it was a tiny hole in the wall in in Vera Mall in Green Hills. No, he was probably too ashamed to name it after himself. So he names it after me. Uh, be that's before it turned into a sports store. No, but you know the significance of that was I was always the son of the owner. No, I I did not start the store that bears my name. No? So that was always a chip on my shoulder that no, I'm, you know, this this is not by me. No? I didn't start this. So I'd always wanted to start something of my, you know, my, myself. So long story short, you know, a week later I came back to the site and this logo was still for sale, um, and I just put in an offer of, uh, I think, a hundred hundred dollars, one fourth the asking price, and thinking that we'd probably settle around three hundred dollars. So I get an email back and it said, um, "Thank you. I never thought anybody would buy." a logo of any lo any any logo of mine i'm only a 14 year old boy from indonesia <laughs> I go, okay, okay. all right i thought i was gonna get a good deal apparently i gave him the biggest paycheck maybe <laughs> sorry it's 200 sorry now remember it's 200 dollars no, i didn't lowball him that much no. so he, he got 200 dollars for me and but i got you know i didn't get just a logo i, I got the i got the the seeds uh, the inception for for a new for a new business. No? So I had a two hundred dollar logo, and I, I said, "Wow, now now I have to do something with this because um, I bought it for I wasted two hundred bucks if I don't use this." No? And that was two thousand eight, and in two thousand eight, BGC was flat. There was nothing here. No, my building I think was the second or third building in BGC. And because BG was, BGC was so open, so empty, but had all the streets, uh, fun runs started uh, happening every weekend. And it was, I, I just saw, you know, hundreds, eventually thousands of runners pass, pass by my window. And it was not uh, rocket science to think that, hey, you know, there might be an opportunity for, to finally open up a running, uh, running specialty store. But our sales for running the running category in Tobis at the time was, you know, minuscule, less than five percent. It wasn't really uh, a thing back then. No. Uh, but I had the two hundred dollars. I wasted two hundred dollars on a logo, but and it was perfect for a store. And 
following the getting things done protocol, I, I was forced, I must every day review all my projects to make sure that there's a next step. And this project had no next step since, you know, I already did the, the, the search. The next step was come up with a deck to pitch for a running store, uh, for a running store, a business, you know, a business plan for a running store. Uh, but before that step, I inserted another one. And it was in, make an appointment with Ayala, who owned the Bonifacio High Street, uh, to present a deck for a business which I didn't make yet. But I, I did that specifically to force myself to make that deck. Because had I not set the appointment, um, I don't know if I would have done the deck. So I, I, I did that first. I set the appointment. I said, hey, I have a new, um, new concept that I'd like to present to you guys. Um, uh, can we set a meeting? And they gave me an appointment two weeks from that day. No? So I had two weeks to come up with a deck. So in that two weeks, uh, I did a lot of research online and came up with a concept. Um, for a world-class running specialty store, something that I I, th I I would hope would hold its own against the best running specialty stores anywhere in the world, no, uh, whether it's London, Tokyo, Boulder, LA, New York, you know, which are really the meccas of, of, of running. No? And I tried to get ideas from all of those and put it all in one deck. Um, but I said, you know, uh, if I and I knew exactly which place I wanted to get on Bonifacio High Street. And uh, that's what I went to Ayala to, to pitch. I said, here's my concept. Um, it's called Runner uh, with this really neat logo. I didn't tell them it was made by a 14-year-old. Um, and uh, they gave me the space, the exact space that I wanted. They said, you know, you know perfect timing. The, the tenant there who's occupying the space, it was occupied actually, is not doing so well. So we're probably not going to renew his contract. And because um, the COO of Ayala is a triathlete, uh, Fernando Sobel. They were all giddy and said, oh, Fernando would love this. Um, you can have the space, you know. Okay, great. Um, so I'll take it. So um, I had the PowerPoint and I had the space. Um, the next six months were spent doing the other steps, you know, putting together the actual business, um, traveling to uh, a few countries to do the research firsthand and getting the brands that we I wanted to to feature in the store. Uh, I think uh, about eight months after you know I, I bought the logo uh, from the from from that boy, uh, we opened the store and true enough, Fernando Zubel uh, helped us cut the ribbon. And um, you know it was such a such a nervous moment for me because I had never put up um, a store other than Toby's, no. Never a new business, never in a new category that was untested, unproven. So I had no idea how this was going to do, uh, whether it would succeed. But lo and behold, on the first day, we had a line in front of the store, line of people waiting to come into the store. And, but the best, and, and the best reward for me was when, when Fernando came in, checked out the store, you know, walked, walked through the store, and then he came up to me and, uh, and said, you know, whenever I'm in a foreign country, I make it a point to visit the best running store in that city. And he said, you know, this is the best running store I've ever seen. Wow. And that, you know, as, a, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think, you know, that's, that's what we live for, right? You know, credit like that is, uh, is, is what, you, uh, what you dream about, why you hustle, and, and, and why I like creating things. You know? That's the story of Runner.
what a story. And, and the, the most amazing part of that story to me is that the genesis for that story really was, I guess, quite accidental. It was a logo. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was an opportunity, not an opportunity, yeah. not even for a business, but an opportunity just for one minuscule logo that eventually, right, um, right now, how many, how many runner, how, how successful is runner now? How is it doing? Well, um, in its first year, it set so many records for us. It had the fastest uh, return on investment of any, anything we've ever done, no? any, any store we've ever opened. It won the most uh, promising retailer uh, of, of Ayala Malls uh, in its first year. Uh, it landed on the cover of the Philippine Daily Inquirer as the top, one of the top 10 trends of that year, of 2009. And we were the only store, the only brand on that, on that list. Um, it wasn't running as a trend. It was a runner as, as one of the ten, top 10 trends for the year. Um, and then the next year, it won uh, Store of the Year uh, of Ayala Malls, you know, which is you know, uh, something that uh, even Tobis had not won till then you know, because you compete against uh, even the foreign uh, retailers. So, so that was a huge... Um, um, feather in our cap. No, um, we, we're not. We're now up to uh, four stores because we like to keep the, the network small. Uh, and this year, we're running, finally launching our uh, website, uh, runner.com.ph. That's amazing, Toby. And for me, um, as an athlete myself and an avid runner, really, when you put up Runner, it was like uh, godsend because sometimes, particularly for runners who are not. Um, I would say uh, normal in terms of their 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 foot stride. Um, right. You know, you really need a specialist to be able to not just recommend brands, but really the specific kind of shoes that are right for the intricacies of your particular foot. Right? It's not as simple as getting um, the same size or or you know uh, getting getting some inserts. It, it's really a, a, a specialty store is, is what you, you, you were able to successfully come up with and build. Um, what kind of research did you have to do eventually? You said from the time that you got the logo up until putting up the store, it was about eight months. Um, how much of the research was you having an idea already and how much of it was learning along the way? Because Runner is, is very specific, right? It's not something that um, you can just readily pick up, um, do an FGD or anything yeah. like that. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of research that went into yeah. um, not just the layout, but even the, the SKUs. Um, what kind of research uh, did it take for you? So we, we definitely didn't go uh, and ask people what they wanted. You know, one, one uh, quote that uh, really struck me uh, was uh, Steve Jobs saying that, you know, uh, I like giving people something that they don't know they want, no, or we should give people something they don't know they want yet, no. And, and that's really what I was after, no. Um, I wanted to create something that, uh, you know, people have not seen in the Philippines yet. You know, there was nothing uh, happening in the running space yet. And uh, I, I, I just tried to figure out what that would look like, you no. Know? Um, and from my own personal experience, um, it was really straightforward. You know, I was running in the wrong shoes the whole time. You know, I had been running in shoes which looked good, looked like it was um, highly cushioned, um, but apparently they were way too narrow and way there was no support whatsoever for 
uh, in the midfoot area uh, for my arch, which is very low. Um, I overpronate, and apparently that's what causes stress on my knees and especially my back. No, I've had I have two screws in my in my knee in my left knee, and I've had a history of slip disc. So running was not fun for me. You know, when I started out, you know, I wanted to get into those fun runs, start start, but I couldn't. You know, when I started, I couldn't even run from from the house to the to the next corner. Before you know, before feeling some kind of pain, either on my on my knees or in my back. No, so I had to study for myself. You know, what was what was I doing wrong? Um, and apparently, I had wrong running form. Uh, I had a very weak core, um, and my muscles, my lower, my 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 Achilles, my calf, uh, and my core was just way too weak uh, to run, which led to my injuries. And lastly, um, I was wearing the wrong kind of shoes, no? totally wrong kind, and I didn't even know. No? And I figured, you know, that's something that uh, that's worth providing as a service to to, to consumers. No? being able to analyze them, figure out their their gait uh, and their foot type, uh, and being able to prescribe uh, footwear, um, you know, that's best for their foot type that will that will uh, provide a little correction. And sometimes uh, for people who don't need correction, no, uh, minimal shoes. No. That's, really, that, that's really the product for me, you know, uh, selling a new lifestyle, um, getting people to try out uh, running and then adopting it as their way of life. No. One of the biggest trends in fitness right now is the proliferation of home gyms. And we've partnered with Italian wellness solutions provider Technogym to give you your weekly dose of high-tech fitness equipment and exercises that you can consider for your home. Joining me is Technogym Philippines Sales Director Marvin Navarro. So Marv's our equipment for today is none other than the Technogym Scale Row. Nice. So John, this is our indoor rower. Um, when Techno Gym endeavored to create this machine, they really wanted to do it right and to be the best in the market. So they partnered with Olympic rowing medalist Scott Durant to come up with the design and the features of it. As you can see here, there's a logo of Aquafeel. It actually feels like you're rowing on water. You row indoors, but when you go to, you know, the water already, it translates perfectly. It's also the only rower in the market that where you can train cardiovascular endurance and strength. This knob, the white part shows you what you're using air resistance, but once you reach the red, you're already using magnetic resistance. And that magnetic resistance allows you to do strength training. So that is unique in the market. Like every other Techno Gym machine now, there is a digital component to it. So it has a dedicated app, which I want to demo to you. You can do different programs. Let's do an interval program. Let's demo it for you. Okay, so you can see here we have a pace boat. So it makes it a little bit more interactive. You have someone that you can race with. Here, you can see the profile of your stroke. So they say that the perfect stroke has somewhat of a bell shape in terms of the resistance profile or your effort profile. And lastly, you can find more parameters of the workout. So with the mobile application, you can do so much more with the skill row. 
I always used to just consider rowing machines as a piece of equipment for cardio. Now this piece of equipment has blown my mind away. It's practically a weights machine in that it can give you the kind of resistance that you would normally get from you know, the heavier back exercises that you would do in the gym. If you're someone who's very particular about the time that you put in the gym, I highly recommend the skill row. It's an awesome piece of equipment. Methods to Greatness in partnership with Techno Gym Philippines has come up with recommended fitness at home equipment to power your workouts. These are fitness solutions designed to drive and complement your training, whether you're a seasoned multi-sport athlete or you just want the very best equipment for your home gym. So get in touch with a Techno Gym consultant at sales at esports.ph via mobile at 63917 5745578 or through technogym.com and give the promo code MTG. That's the Methods to Greatness promo code MTG and the experts over at Technogym will hook you up with the best premium home gym equipment and gear available in the market today. So, Toby, with the success of Runner, uh, how much of that chip is still on your shoulder? Oh wow! Um, well, like I said, you know that uh, when we finally opened, and uh, I finally realized that you know it would take off and do well, uh, and of course getting that uh, uh, praise from from a guy like you know uh, Fernando Zabel, um, an avid triathlete, no, was was really, I think uh, that that's when it set in that yeah, you know, starting something new is crazy, you know, it's scary. Uh, but so much fun. No? Um, so after that, I really wanted to uh, try something else no? uh, um, and, and do it all over again. So I guess what you meant by that was uh, your other brand, which is um, Urban Athletics, which was the brand you launched as well. This, this was immediately after Runner? This was two years after. Um, so I think this was uh, late 2010, 2011 already. Um, and the uh, inception for that was... Um, it wasn't a logo. It wasn't a logo. Um, no, no. This time it, uh, the logo wasn't uh, the starting point. <laughs> um, but uh, I did also try a different uh, strategy to come out with the, the branding for that. No? The idea was simply to uh, come out with a, a concept store that was really for the sneaker enthusiasts. No? People who really love um, rocking their, you know, you know, sneakers and, um, you know, showing off uh, uh, limited editions and, uh, you know, carrying the best sneaker brands. Um, so we came up with a name. Uh, I came up with a name called the uh, Urban Athletics, um, and but we had no logo. Um, what I decided to do for that was to uh, crowdsource the logo. No? And uh, it was a worldwide bid, actually. I, I set, uh, set an amount. I forgot how much. No? Um, and accepted entries from all over the world um, uh, for a logo for Urban Athletics. And there were so many good ones. No? Um, so it was fun, you know, picking out uh, the, the one for, that we would eventually use for our branding. So no, I didn't buy it from a kid this time. No, I paid uh, decent money uh, this time. Uh, and quite happy with it. We're still using it now. No? Uh, Urban Athletics uh, also took off and also doing well. In fact, Last year, um, 
its performance was actually uh, the best uh, in terms of return per uh, square meter uh, among all our concepts. No? So, you know, sneaker culture is really here to stay. Uh, Pinoy's love their shoes. And uh, we're lucky that uh, Urban Athletics was uh, positioned for that uh, as early as 2011. So I'll get now into a question that um, I guess for, for people who are um, not Filipinos, not from here, I'd like to know as someone who is behind now um, one of the iconic brands we have here in the Philippines, what makes you Filipino or what makes you Asian? I mean, you've had a lot of experience being someone who's gone out and, and researched your business, but what do you feel as a Filipino, as a businessman here in the Philippines, here in Asia, what, what sets you apart from, let's say, the competitors that you saw when you were doing your research abroad? Oh, wow. Um, well, I also grew up in the U.S., but I don't consider myself, you know, uh, brought up the American way. Um, I was there as a kid. And what, what, they, what that helped me to realize also was um, uh, how different we are, you know. And in many ways, you know, I think uh, Filipinos um, uh, are, are not uh, seen uh, the right way. We are seen as fun-loving, um, very adaptable. But um, I think what not everyone sees is how, how competent and creative uh, Pinoys really are, you know. Even, even, you know, abroad, you know, people are always a bit surprised that, you know, one, we speak English so well, uh, we express ourselves so well, and uh, we're capable of, uh, you know, doing a lot of things, creating, creating brands, creating businesses, um, developing stuff. We, 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 we create stuff where we outsource so much of uh, the work of uh, so many other countries. You know? so, so I think uh, talent and creativity and uh, competence is something that, uh, that I think, you know, as Filipinos can be, can be proud of. If you, we were to be looked at from a global perspective and having the melting pot that we have now, what is the one thing or one or two things that you feel Filipinos here in the Philippines can share with the rest of the world? Um, it could be um, in our food, in the way we approach things, uh, what is it that, right. that is uniquely yeah. us that you're proud of and you want yeah. people to know? Oh, definitely. I think our warmth. No, um, you know, we're we're really friendly as a people. We were known for our hospitality, um, and anyone who's never been to the Philippines, um, I, w I would strongly recommend you you come and experience it firsthand. Uh, foreigners who I I run into you know, abroad who have been to the Philippines all, all say the same thing. You know, they had so much fun in Manila, in Manila, in the Philippines, uh, and the people are great, you know, and I think uh, that that's really what we are. You know, it really is more fun in the Philippines. And I think it's really because of the people, you know, our warmth. Um, that's why we're so also um, respected and uh, so many countries recruit uh, service personnel from us. For instance, uh, our retail personnel, you know, are are all over the world, you know, because they're among the best salespeople uh, in the world, you know, uh, which which is tough for retailers like us because we also always have to compete with uh, recruiters from any country you name it, no. Um, but that just goes to show that, and and it also brings me a lot of you know, um, satisfaction to see that you know people who started out with us are now doing really well um, 
even in higher positions uh, abroad. Okay. Toby, I'd like to know if you have any, any heroes that you consider, uh, whether it's uh, an athlete, uh, an entrepreneur, a businessman. Who do you look up to and what qualities are present in that person that makes you look up to that person? Um, and it's ironic. There are two people uh, who are totally different and I, I respect for totally different reasons. Uh, and they were competitors their whole life. You know? um, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. You know? um, Steve Jobs was, was an, I really look up to because as an entrepreneur, uh, I think he, he set a very, very high benchmark for what, uh, you know, the skill set that an entrepreneur should have. You know? He had vision. He was capable. He, he was very capable of inspiring people with that vision. It was very clear what he wanted to accomplish. Um, and, he, you know, he, he was single-minded in, uh, in that purpose. No? Um, that's why he got it done, no? because he knew exactly what he wanted to accomplish, and he almost did anything it took to, to, to get it done, no? and he got it done. On the other side of the coin, though, Bill Gates, uh, it was you know, the same. He was brilliant, but in different ways. No? He was technically brilliant. But what really strikes me about Bill Gates um, is after he had reached the pinnacle and did everything he, you know, he, could, he could do to build his company, um, he moved on to the next stage of, of, of his life, which was to change the world you know, and give back to society. You know? um, and, and he's single-minded in that uh, focus now. So you know, how I wish I could build something uh, and create something as big as the way Steve Jobs did it and then give it away the way Bill Gates is doing it. You know? Um, so those two are really, uh, you know, stand out for me because uh, they lived with passion, purpose, and they got it done. And uh, it changed, you know, all our lives, you know, even, even with uh, Steve, uh, the products that Steve Jobs made, you know, it, it, it changed uh, the way people work, changed the, the way we, we use gadgets. You know? And I think inspired people to be, be more creative as well. I, I can't forget the first time I ever used a Mac, you know, it was, it was the first uh, Macintosh you know, uh, with a graphical user interface. And I was just uh, obsessed with paint, you know, the app. And uh, ever since then, I've been a techie. Ever since then, I've loved gadgets. Um, because of that experience as a kid, you know, handling a mouse for the first time and, and using an Apple product. So that and then what Bill Gates is doing now is is so inspirational because the way he's he's trying to and he's he's been doing it for quite a while and it's only you know been been I think recognized now with what he's doing with COVID um, to build something as big as he built it and now to divert his energy his talent and his even his his, his treasure to solving the, the most difficult problems that face man is amazing. You know um, what you said just now sort of kind of reminded me of, uh, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with uh, Shoe Dog. Uh, yes. The story yeah, of yeah. Uh, Phil Knight. Phil Knight. And um, yeah. he started really out as someone who, um, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, he was a distributor, or his company was a distributor right. of uh, Onitsuka Tiger. Right? Of basics, yeah. Onitsuka Tiger. And, you know, from being a distributor, uh, he eventually... Um, competed um, against uh, 
the, the ASICS brand, the Onitsuka Tiger brand, right. creating his own. Right. And you know, if he had big problems being a distributor of Onitsuka Tiger, when he created his own brand, it created exponentially bigger problems for him because all of a sudden, he's no longer just this small cog in a big uh, machinery. He's, he's actually the machine himself, right? He, he, he is largely now responsible for creating not just a product, but a culture behind the brand, uh, which we now know as Nike. So um, I'm just curious, at what point do you see yourself? Because I, I, I hear you talking about creating something in the future. I'm just curious how much of that creation would eventually be you creating your own products, your own brand, regardless whether it's something that is outsourced somewhere else and you brand yeah, your, yeah, yeah. right? Because I know that you've, you've, you've uh, come up with products, let's say for Runner, you know, you've, yeah, you, you yeah. have some, some brands there, but um, how, how much of the future do you think is going to be you yeah. coming up with your own brands, your own products, your own maybe yeah. innovations, inventions? Yeah, so I read Shoe Dog also, and it's such an inspiring story, you know. Um, I actually stood on the spot uh, where I think he stood when he, he traveled the world after taking a gap year after college, and he ended up in, in Athens, Greece, right. and stood on the steps of the Acropolis uh, and looked over and saw the Temple of Athena Nike. And I said, wow, you know, he was a college student, and, you know, he, he stood there, one, one, you know, way, way back. There was a time he, Phil Knight stood here and said that, you know, I have a name, just like Runner. I have a name. Now I have to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, starting uh, a brand uh, that would be uh, made in the, built or started in the Philippines, based in the Philippines, that could be marketed to the world uh, as a global brand is a bucket list, a dream of mine. You know, um, we, we, we have the talent. We have the the creativity to do it, you know, um, but not many successful stories yet of, of that happening. No. I know one though, uh, BMV hypoallergenics uh, right. cosmetics brand is uh, made by a friend of mine. We're, uh, you know, Filipina and uh, and uh, it's sold all over the world. No, but but that that those few and far between no, um, examples like that. No. Um, so in the sports category, what people don't know though is we already create. Uh, manufacture and make ourselves design and uh, design and have it manufactured in factories across Asia around 20 brands which we sell in our stores no? did you have uh, to go through the same brand. process that Phil Knight did I mean physically going to the factories and negotiating um, well know. it's a lot easier with uh, the internet now no? oh, okay so okay. no no we don't have to do those trips uh, as much no but we do um, but you know, under many brands, namely, of course, Toby's Runner and Urban Athletics, we have products under those three brands and uh, around 15 others, no, which we created ourselves, no, which we, we don't really um, shout out as a local brand. Um, and people often mistake them for important brands. Equip, sportswear, core, uh, fitness are all proudly, you know, created by us. Um, and, and the whole point was to offer... Um, the best value for money we could you know, by, by branding it ourselves, but sourcing it from sourcing really good quality products from uh, good manufacturers uh, all over uh, Southeast, all over Asia. 
unfortunately, we don't have much of a manufacturing, the tooling here in the in the Philippines ourselves. No, so that's something that uh, you know hopefully uh, we end up being able to do uh, down the road. No, but to create a brand that would be you know made in the Philippines and sold worldwide and respected as a global brand would be a great uh, great dream to accomplish. Toby, as someone who uh, did not start Toby's, you, you said earlier that you had this chip on your shoulder. For people who, or, or rather for young people who maybe are involved in their family business, um, now graduating college, maybe uh, being forced to one day take over the family business or at least participate in the family business. What would be your advice as someone who has lived through it? I, I, I do know that you did not um, start with Toby's first, right? You were, right. You were with, the, um, with Selecta. You were a management trainee. Right. Eventually, you were a brand manager for right. Selecta. So you did that for a while, but was it something that you discussed with your father, Bobby, to not work in the family company first and maybe get your feet wet, yeah. gain some experience yeah. somewhere else. What was that discussion like for you and your dad? Well, my, my case is very unique. Um, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that I, I didn't uh, know I would end up with a family business because they put my name on the sign. So, <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, that, that both gave me no choice and kind of helped, uh, uh, helped me decide what I wanted to do with my life. No. It also, but it also helped a lot that my dad chose a, you know, a great industry to, to be in, you know, sports, no, um, and then use my, my name for the, for the sign. So I'd like, you know, I always say that my name was, my, my destiny was carved in, in, in plastic or in Panaflex or whatever, um, because uh, as soon as they put my name on the sign, you know, I knew from an early age that, hey, this is something I want to do. Because you know, every day after school, I would walk from La Salle Green Hills to to Green to, to Green Hills and hang out in the store and wait for my dad to finish work, and then hitch a ride home with him. Uh, so every day I'd end up going home around dinner time because uh, I'd hang out in the store. So the whole afternoon I'd be watching um, and 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 waiting in the store, and you know I saw firsthand how how we grew. Um, from very very you know humble beginnings, how we served our first customers, how we did it you know with such a you know personal touch. You know my dad would literally measure hands to to get people the right size grip for their tennis racket. You know? um, and my uncle and my dad were stringing rackets themselves. You know? So you know that that really set a great foundation for me. Growing up around the business, I mean um, uh, credit to them that. They exposed me that way. They they helped. It it really helped me value all the work that they put into it and the legacy that they were passing on to me, because I saw how much uh, hard work uh, they they put into it, you know? and how much passion they had for for what we did. You know? um, so for both the first generation and the second generation, I think that's crucial. You know? Getting the kids to appreciate um, the work, uh, the company, the business. Um, and what we what we do for our customers, you know? and when you see a happy customer, you know that that's when you say that hey, you know, what we do is pretty good because so it's it's not hard to be inspired that way to, to want to con you know to contribute to it uh, later on. So so after school though, uh, again credit to my dad and my uncles, 
they didn't force me to join the business right away. In fact, they were like, you know, go ahead, do something else first. And I wanted to also, I wanted to see what I could do um, in the professional world. And uh, I went into marketing brand management because it kind of gave me a good all-around view of business, no? not just marketing, but uh, everything, operations, sales, um, logistics. No? And, and, and I, so I spent two years uh, uh, with uh, a different company, you know, a bigger company. And then after two years, I said, you know, I realized I really want to contribute to the business now. Would you can I can I join already? And they were like, okay, you know. Um, uh, so again, you know, they didn't even force me. Um, so I never never felt forced. Um, in fact, I was wondering, hey, aren't you guys gonna ask me to join the business already? My name is on the sign. So, uh, <laughs> but no, they didn't. They didn't force me. They let me take my time. And true enough, in that two years, you know, I was just soaking it up learning from my, my bosses, um, trying to learn as much as I could in that, in that two years. And I think that's invaluable. In fact, it's in our family constitution now that anyone who wants to join my, the business, say for instance, my sons, have to work a minimum of three years. And, and if they want to come into the company at a certain level, they have to reach that level outside first. That's, that's a really good way of making sure that they don't come into the company feeling like they own it, right? I mean, the Entitled. sense of entitlement yeah. that can sometimes ruin. There's a saying, you know, the first generation builds the business, the second generation grows it, and the third one yeah. squanders the entire thing, right? Yeah. It, it has its basis, not for all. I'm not saying that's what happens all the time, but uh, it has happened a number of times. Otherwise, it wouldn't be like this funny saying. Right. So, so I warned my, my sons already, you know, I invited my, my eldest son once to a talk that I gave. And, I, and my first slide was the first generation builds the second. Uh, the first, first generation starts, second builds, and the third squanders. And I had this picture, him and his brother fighting <laughs> on, the third, on that slide. You know? I think he's like, oh no, man. <laughs> this is embarrassing, Dad. <laughs> we're not going to squander the company. <laughs> Why are you telling this room full of people that we're going to squander it? So I, I've warned him in advance. Yeah, you've warned him in advance. And, and, and I'm just curious because, because I don't know this. Um, so you said that you, you, uh, you went to La Salle. Um, I'm just curious if La Salle has ever invited you to give a commencement speech. Because I would, I would easily assume that um, you being, I guess, one of the more prominent uh, graduates of your school, and if I had, let's say, my intramurals, I would readily invite you, right? Uh, my first question is, have you ever given a commencement speech back uh, in, in school? And uh, if you haven't, what would be, I guess, the main message that you will give to the student body? Um, no, no, not, not for La Salle, no. Um, I have given a talk to a whole uh, province's uh, high school students uh, uh, in, in, in Camarines, uh, Camarines Sur, no. Um, but no, no, not, not a commencement speech. Um, but that, that's something that we, would be big for me um, because, um, one, I don't think I, I deserve it, but two, um, I, I, I always, I've been asked to, to give talks about giving talks before. Uh, and, and I always start out by saying that um, you should never waste an opportunity to inspire people. 
So if you have that many people in a room at one time, no, say a whole batch of students, no, a whole graduating batch of students, I would definitely take that, take that ser very seriously. No. Uh, what would I tell them? Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, what, what's hard now is, uh, I, I'm sure, you know, people are scared that uh, they don't have, they, they, you know, the future looks uh, challenging. No? But uh, I think what I would tell them is, you know, you really have to figure out what you want to contribute, why, um, because that will dictate what you have to be good at, um, what you start, you know, what, what kind of company or business you go into. There, there has to be a belief behind it that, you know, I believe that through my work, I am uh, contributing something of real value uh, to others. And in my case, um, from a very early age, you know, I, I loved sports because my dad, uh, my dad really spent so much time playing sports with me. You know, he was an avid tennis uh, player. So from the age of four, I was playing tennis, you know, and he would play with me almost every day, you know, um, from five to about 10 years old. And I, I literally slept with a tennis racket. I was so, you know, addicted to the sport, you know. I'd watch, uh, you know, videos of sports. You know, I was I was really hooked on on tennis, then baseball, you name it. You know. Well, you have the equipment, uh, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was not a problem, no. Um, but my dad never gave me anything for free, too. You had to buy your stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, to this day we have to we have to buy our stuff, you know, uh, to make sure that uh, we don't uh, discount the value of what we what we sell or what we offer, no. So I love sports, and more than that. I saw how it helped me, you know, by playing team sports, it taught me so many values um, that I consider to be indispensable in life, you know, focus, hard work, determination, discipline, teamwork are just some of the, you know, uh, things that I think sports teaches, especially kids. You know? um, and I think, you know, it's been helpful for me all the way through to my career, to my adult life. Um, so I, so I, so I really, um, honestly believe that uh, every kid growing up should play sports, should have a chance to play sports so that they can learn all these values, so that they can experience all these firsthand, you know. So that's my purpose. That's my reason for, for working, you know. So it doesn't become work when, when, when you have, they say that uh, it's not work when you enjoy it. And sometimes I don't enjoy work. <laughs> not every, you know, you're not, when you enjoy what you're doing, um, it's not work. There's a lot of things we don't enjoy doing. Of course, of course. Uh, things that we have to do. We, we still have to do it. When you know that you have a purpose behind what you're doing, no matter how hard it is, or no matter how little enjoyment you get from it, because it is so, it is so hard, or it will get so hard, you know, that you want to quit, you'll still keep at it. You won't give up on it. You'll, you, you, you'll see it through. Because you, you truly and honestly believe that what you do makes a difference. You know? So that's what I would give us uh, uh, my first piece of advice to, to, to kids that, you know, figure out what you want to really contribute and why, you know? why you want to do it. Uh, and that will dictate what uh, and how, how well you can stick to it. You know? uh, because sticking to it, grit, being getting things done, um, all stems from, from that, you know, having a purpose, uh, having a mission, and uh, we, we'll, we'll keep you on the, on the path you know, um, and eventually lead to uh, your success, hopefully.
so you it really starts with for me the why you know? and then the other thing is i would just recommend the three books honestly and, and this is exactly what i said to the students in, in camarina sur you know? so you have a dream all of us have dreams what's the first step you have to break it down into the smallest possible the easiest possible steps that will get you closer to where you want to go because if you just keep dreaming that hey i want to be something big later on but never have the discipline to break it down into small actionable steps you're never gonna get going right? so getting things done as a, as a skill should be for me taught in schools um so read that book um is what i would say also read the power of habit which is another belief of mine that uh, uh, if you want to achieve things, um, you have to pick up the right habits. And it's the, collection, it's the habits you collect along the way, uh, which is you know, scientifically going to determine the chances of you achieving what you want to accomplish. You know? The more of the right habits you, you accumulate over time, the higher the chances, the less, the lower the chances. And then last one is uh, Spark, read Spark, uh, the science of exercise and the mind. Because, you know, simply my belief in the books, as the book proved, you know, um, our bodies were made to move. Uh, and if you don't use it the way it was intended, you're never going to be an optimal human being. Okay? Um, you're never going to perform at your best, physically and mentally, and even emotionally. And uh, I never really understood that. It's easy to say that, but, you know, so many people also work out, you know, um, but can't really say that, oh, it changed my life. So, so my message to them would be try training for, a, for an Ironman triathlon and see how that changes you, you know, because my own personal experience, I'd been an athlete my whole life, okay, but I, I could never really say that exercise changed me. It was something I liked to do. It was fun. I was part of the, the team and I enjoyed it. I competed. But when I trained for triathlon, that was the only time that I really experienced how exercise can change you. That's because of the volume of cardio training that, that I did. Uh, I would do 12 to 13 hours a week. So that's about two hours a day for six days, you know, sometimes twice a day of running, swimming, or biking. And that much cardio has effects, you know, uh, really changes you. you know? uh, I think my weight dropped by about 10, 15 pounds. I was actually, I didn't, I didn't even realize it. I was fat back then, you know. My body fat was, I think, around 20 plus. And my cardio was really bad, you know. I, I couldn't run. I couldn't. I had no endurance whatsoever. Um, but when I when I started training for triathlon, the changes to my body and my mind were significant. You know, uh, I noticed after a while that on a day that I trained in the morning, I worked faster. I made decisions faster. I solved problems better, um, and I powered through the day. On days that I didn't train in the morning, I felt sluggish, indecisive problems, anxious, stressed, and ever since, you know, anytime I would feel that I needed a boost, I needed to work on something difficult, um, solve a hard problem, um, or I was 
being brought down by you know anxiety or worried about something or stress. Put in an hour cardio of cardio, uh, vigorous cardio, and the world is a better place. You know that's the thesis of the book. You know when you use your body the way it's intended, the benefits are enormous. Okay, um, and it's 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 to the mind even more than the body. Yeah, you said earlier, you know, it really puts you in the right frame of mind. Apart from the dopamine spike that you get from the exercise, right? And I think this is common with a lot of triathletes who in recent years have really gotten into the sport. A lot of triathletes I noticed are type A uh, personalities. You know, they really are go-getters, achievers. Um, A lot of um, top executives in, in the biggest companies here in the Philippines have taken to triathlon in ways that is, is really phenomenal. I think um, uh, at a certain point, I think every other um, CEO of every major corporation here in the country was involved somehow in, 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 in triathlons, right? Um, what, what is it you feel um, is in the, the method of training uh, in competing in a triathlon that that is, uh, I guess, resonates with with high achievers and and, and you know, um, I guess yeah. people in business also who who are now taking to this. Well, you know, I think many reasons. Um, I think simply th- those those in in, in uh, positions like that uh, realize how you know the demands of of their job um, that they have to always be at their at their best mentally. Um, they have to you know be put together emotionally. And they've simply discovered that the best way of dealing with that is, is through exercise, you know. Um, and triathlon is one. And, of course, that covers all three sports, no? swimming, biking, and running. No? You can't get much more cardio than that. No? But I think it's also the duration. Um, the fact that you have to train that many hours in a week. Is, and, 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 you know, as human beings, we were really designed to be that active. Way back before process, before groceries, supermarkets, you know, we had to we had to run our food down, right? So you, if you didn't run, you you couldn't eat. So so that's exactly what our bodies were 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 made to do. You know? And it, it was supposed to be done for us, you know, significant portion of your day. And now we just sit, you know, um, in, in our, at our desks the whole day, and uh, you you know, food is not a problem. You know, it just it just comes to you, but you know, getting into that uh, rhythm of, of doing that much exercise really primes you to 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 work uh, to be uh, an op, you know optimal. You know? and uh, CEOs, heads of companies, uh, entrepreneurs, um, I think really value that because um, they really know the difference with when when they, they they come to work one day and they they have their A game, and they come to work another day and they don't. So I think that's why uh, it's been taken up by so many. Um, at that level because they know they can't afford their company you know too many people rely on them they can't not afford to be at their best so i think more than anything it's it's also a big responsibility to make sure that they take care of themselves first because if they're not at their best then um you know they they it, it really trickles down to the entire organization as well i mean if the head of your organization um, is down one day that is uh, one person in the organization that you cannot afford to be down because you know, being the leader also dictates that you cannot be the weakest link, which I think right now in particular is very important because I guess a lot of people are challenged with our situation now. 
because of COVID, um, not a lot of people have, I guess, the luxury of open space. Even in your case, as a, a fitness equipment uh, retailer, not everyone has access to, to equipment, um, to you know, uh, the things that you will need so that you can get a decent amount of exercise done. What would be, I guess, your advice to people who um, probably do not have access to the outdoors, they're really just stuck uh, inside their, their condo units or their, their houses, uh, may not necessarily have equipment. Um, what could be something that they can get into and still derive the, the same benefits as if you were probably outside or if you had access to the gym? Um, you, you can, there's so many ways to work out now. Um, just YouTube alone um, has infinite options uh, in terms of workouts that you can follow, guided workouts with coaches, trainers that you can follow that will whip you up in, into shape with even minimal equipment. No? But if, if, you, you know, if you wanted to augment with equipment, you know, a few pieces will be um, sufficient. Um, a few weights, bands, mats, balls, maybe gym ball. And if you do, you know, want to get more cardio in, of course, uh, um, bikes or treadmills, no. But it's really there's so many ways. I mean, body weight alone, um, you you can get a full workout, no. Um, so I, I think more it, it's really more mental. Um, I, and I think again, it starts with why. Why do you want to work out? If it, sometimes it's it's uh, it's just to lose weight. So uh, you know, exercising I think um, should be really seen as you know. It's something I have to do because it's something I was meant to do. And not doing it will kill you, you know, literally will kill you, you know, because our bodies were not meant to be so sedentary. So I think there's right now, especially now, now this day and age with this crisis, health crisis going on, there's really no excuse not to be active and not to take care of yourself. You know? And um, there are many, many ways to, to get it done. You know? Can you give us concrete examples of things that you do um, at home uh, that uh, I guess you can share with our listeners, uh, you know, given that you have access to all of this equipment uh, possible in the world, but I guess to take it the other extreme, what if you did not have anything, right? What if you, you don't have access to anything at all? No equipment, just you, your body weight. What would be, I guess, uh, bang for the buck exercises that right. you would recommend to people? I, I would start with a basic recommendation, really, of, uh, you know, if you really want to cut it down to the barest of minimums, get an iPad <laughs> <laughs> or use your phone okay. and just get on YouTube and look for the highest rated, you know, workouts, uh, the ones with the most views and fitness videos. You don't need any equipment from us. You know, your body is the best equipment. Um, so you can start from there, no? Um, I personally used to go to the gym uh, often, and it was complete, no, obviously. But now that gyms are closed, uh, I had to set up uh, uh, a basic uh, setup here. And I, I li we live in a condo, so it, there's not much space. No? But with a basic um, set of uh, dumbbells, um, uh, the adjustable type, um, I have a whole set of dumbbells in one, uh, a bench, a gym ball, a yoga mat, and resistance bands. That's all you need. And you're pretty much covered. You can do so many things already with those. 
So th that's really the most basic stuff that uh, anybody could use, and they're, they're good for so many exercises already. And we're friends on Facebook, and I did see this one time where you demoed your treadmill, which was really amazing because I think you just slid it into the room, yeah. folded it up, and you were, you were walking on your treadmill and just, just easy putting it down yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, and taking it away. It's, it's a small treadmill that you have in your condo, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we came across this new brand, which uh, has not actually, not small treadmills, big treadmills, very, very sturdy, very, very powerful, durable treadmills that can fold really, really compact. It stands, you know, I can show it, it stands, uh, and it, it's only this, this thick. You can fold it down and then roll it, roll it into a cabinet, put it under a bed. So space is no longer uh, a limitation right now. No? So, and it's a, it's a powerful treadmill. Um, when, you, when, when you use it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good enough for training for, for triathletes. No? So, no. so um, it's all the biggest problem, actually, that uh, didn't exist before. No? Um, because those in condos used to go to gyms. That, um, they, they wouldn't think of getting uh, treadmills for, for a condo unit. But now you can, actually, because of these uh, compact treadmills. That's awesome. I think it, it's, it's, um, it's the next level of technology that allows them to make you know highly sturdy but but very small treadmills that as you yeah. said even triathletes can use right yeah uh, speaking of technology you know the latest is really um the technology that uh these machines use now like treadmills and exercise bikes is bluetooth uh so that they can connect to a device like your phone or an ipad and allow you to run or bike virtually uh with your friends you no know? Uh, or anyone in the world, no. So, so the routine I I I fell in love with over over lockdown was uh, uh, biking with my friends on a virtual uh, cycling app called Swift, and uh, we do it almost every day. I mean, you know, we start the day with one to two hours on, on the bike trainer, uh, which uh, is controlled by the the app. No, and simulates the terrain on the screen. So if you're going up a hill, the trainer gets harder. So, so how does it work, Toby? Down. So you have, you have your bike. This is the bike, your road bike that you use outside that you, yeah. um, you, yeah. you, you attach uh, some sort of uh, uh, gear or contraption so that you can yeah. bike yeah. in place yeah. pretty much, right? Yeah, there, there are many kinds of bike trainers which you can use on any kind of bike, no? whether it's a mountain bike or a road bike. Uh, and you attach the bike, your bike to that trainer, and uh, the resistance is controlled by the app. Um, in the case of smart trainers, uh, or or just uh, built-in, you know, it has built-in resistance, and then it transmits via Bluetooth to the app. And you're now whatever the speed or the effort you put into uh, your pedaling or your running, or in the case of treadmill, in the treadmill, that's exactly what your avatar on screen is doing. Also, you no. Know? Uh, so you slow down, your avatar slows down, you, 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 you speed up, your avatar speeds up. And uh, it's become, uh, you know, the COVID sensation, the lockdown sensation, really, you know. Um, everyone and everyone, anyone and everyone, including the best cycling pros around the world are, and best triathletes around the world can be found training on Zwift. The virtual Tour de France uh, was held for the first time this year purely on that platform, you know, online. Uh, virtually you know. um, and it works for uh, treadmills exercise bikes spinning bikes and it's social you know 
you can call up your friends and say, hey, let's all ride tomorrow. And all your, you know, you'll be all together riding uh, on the screen. And you can do group rides, you can do races, you can do um, all sorts of things. You can chat while, you know, while riding. Uh, and you're going through virtual scenery of, say, France, London, or New York while doing it. Now. So it's a bit of an escape from being trapped at home uh, because of this lockdown. Um, but that's, you know, I think the future of sports and, and exercise also. I think that's something that I definitely will want to try. Uh, because right now, to be honest, um, there, there has come a point where I feel like I'm trying to look for something new to do because you sort of try to get into you know, a new thing, but it gets routinary after a while because you can only do, let's say, kettlebells or bands right. every other day, try to alternate it maybe with running. Uh, so, so there's that constant um, tug of war of wanting to exercise, but also wanting to do something different. Right, right. right. And, and I think what's, big, what's really different and really new now is the social aspect, you know. Um, before, to work out with a group, you'd have to join a class. You'd have to be outside in a gym, a member of a gym, you know, sign up for a class. Now, um, before I sleep, I'm on my phone checking out, okay, what are the group rides tomorrow or races that I can join? Um, and there are like hundreds of people in that in that ride in that race or i can just invite a group couple of friends and say hey let's all do this ride tomorrow and you don't even have to leave the house you're, you're already working out or even competing against a bunch of people you know virtually and uh that's that for me that social aspect is really one of the uh, newest uh, revolutionary things to come out of uh, of this crisis you know? uh, people have had to adapt uh, because they can't go out and I think it's really going to pick up. Toby, if you could hook me up, how would you do it? Um, give me advice. If there's anything that I could try right now, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of my routine. So what would be right. your advice? Um, anything that I can take up, pick up, that's going to be easy. What's something that, um, that I can maybe start tomorrow? Um, again, you know, because I believe in cardio so much and because of this, uh, the virtual aspect of, of, of these apps, no, I would suggest you get a Bluetooth uh, enabled treadmill and um, you, you just subscribe to the app, uh, which is like, uh, I think 400 a month and um, you're hooked up. You, 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 when you run on your treadmill, you're joining events, you're, you're running with a bunch of people. It's gamified. You, 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 you won't get lazy of doing it because there are incentives for you to, to hit you know, uh, certain objectives, goals, mileage. And it's just fun. No? Um, it's, it's fun to do it with friends. And that, that's the most important. That's what makes it sticky. Because sometimes now you work out, you do it by yourself, and there no, you know, there's no virtual aspect to it. It gets, you know, it gets uh, boring after a while, no? like you said. Uh, but this it's really a game changer when you when you do it with other people virtually when you have a gamified experience uh, along with the workout uh, it, it's a whole new world really for for exercise no? um, and then if you're ready to another step up is to actually get an exercise bike which is also which we also have which are bluetooth enabled which will allow you to do the cycling part of swift also one of the benefits of being your friend on social media is that I get to see the latest stuff 
that's out there. And the other day, I actually saw you, um, like you said, with a group of, I don't know, these are your friends. You were, you were on a bike ride in some foreign country. It looked uh, semi-real, but you know, you could, I, I could imagine being in that race with you. But that's, that's just a, that's a blast. No? Uh, 100 uh, Filipinos, you know, um, triathletes, cyclists, um, recreational uh, cyclists, all get together uh, twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, and we race, you know, um, through virtual, uh, virtual French countryside, um, a virtual, uh, you know, virtual London, virtual New York, uh, and. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's all good fun because, you know, you're, you're really pushing yourself. I mean, if you're, if you're racing against 100 people and like, like 30 of them um, are good friends of mine, you know, uh, there's a, definitely a friendly rivalry going on. Even the girls are like kicking butt, you know, they, 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 they're really strong. And people are, you know, incentivized to get better and better, get stronger. You see people getting stronger over the last few months alone, you know. People have gotten, you know, a lot, lot faster, a lot, lot stronger. And uh, it's all because of that uh, social aspect, that gamified aspect. Um, and then the other app I use is uh, uh, really a virtual map where you can, you know, all my bucket list uh, uh, rides all over the world um, in, in the Alps, in the Swiss Alps, you know, through the French countryside, the Italian countryside, all in high def. And uh, you put your bike in front of the TV, and you're almost there. It takes you, you know, it's a great escape from, um, from the dangerous uh, traffic <laughs> of uh, Metro Manila. But yeah, so, so cycling is my, you know, indoor cycling is my new love. I think given the pandemic situation, uh, I think that's something I, de I, I definitely want to try. As I know, a lot of people are currently looking right now for really something challenging to do, right? I mean, you, you get on a treadmill, but it's different. You're actually motivated because you have teammates, friends, peers yep. uh, that you're, you're cycling with. So, so I think that that's, that's really also the wave of the near future, uh, at least until we come up with you know, a way to you know, speed up yeah. our access to, to, to the vaccine. So yeah, I'm 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 definitely gonna gonna try that. So Toby, yeah. you know it's been it's been a pleasure. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know that your your family is waiting for you. You hijacked. You commandeered the the dining table. <laughs> I want to leave you now, but um, I guess just some parting words from you, uh, from someone who is running your business empire, but at the same time someone who's also coping with the realities of being stuck at home. What would be, I guess, your parting words for people who are trying their best to handle this? And also for entrepreneurs out there who are finding this a very challenging time um, to, to run a business. You know, one of the main reasons why I work out is just to help me cope, you know. Um, despite uh, how well, uh, you know, the fitness category is doing, uh, business is bad and, uh, I'm really worried about uh, unemployment, about continuing to provide employment to, to all our people, our, our thousand, you know, almost a thousand employees. So it's so much to, to, to carry around. You know? um, and that's why, that's why I believe that, uh, you know, uh, taking care of yourself, uh, being active and fit 
um, it's, it's really a necessity now um, to help you cope emotionally, physically, uh, stay healthy, um, not get sick. It should be a priority for us. And uh, really just, you know, uh, get through this because uh, it's really testing uh, all of us. I think uh, it's really a huge test um, for anyone, especially those who own businesses, those who work uh, in those businesses, you know. And as much as they worry about losing their jobs, I'm, you know, I, as a business owner, am worried about making sure that they have jobs um, and that uh, we can continue to provide employment. So, you know, all I can say is, uh, you know, it's just something that we have to get through. Um, and again, you know, just to get it done, uh, you have to start with small steps, you know, find the right habits, hang out with the right people, I guess, and get good advice from, uh, from blogs like this. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, happy to share some of the things that have, uh, that have worked for me. Um, and, and I rely on now. So I, I, my, my parting words would be hang in there. Um, hopefully this too shall pass. And it will. That's always been the, I guess, the mantra of athletes, you know, in, in the face of exhaustion of, you know, like you said earlier, not everything that you do in your business you love. Same thing with sports. No one wants to throw up uh, yeah. when they reach maybe the, the last mile of that marathon. But you soldier on, you know, you, you continue with what you need to do so that you get to the finish line. And the thing is, the unique thing with, with what's happening now is we're all, on, we're all on the same boat. I guess in a lot of ways, it gives us also strength knowing that we are hand in hand with this together, right? Um, no one is exempted from hardship, from, from the challenges that we have now. And um, I just hope that you know, people like you continue to provide for the thousands of jobs that you do. And, and, and I really also wish you luck, Toby, with, um, with the organization. I know that um, it's very important now uh, what you're doing. It, it is as much a business as it is an advo advocacy because I truly believe, as, as you do, that, that sports, health and fitness, wellness is critical to us surviving the challenges that we have now with COVID. So... I, I really wish you luck with thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, thank running, you. maintaining the business uh, in the future after all of this is over, possibly coming up with more, um, I guess, innovations um, in the way you, you, you do business. I'm sure one of these days you will have your own unique Filipino products inventions in the market that other countries would sell and, and, and call, you know, uh, proudly Philippine imported brands, sports brands. Right, right, right. We have to name it after a famous decathlete, uh, uh, UAAP standout. Uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bruce Jenner because Bruce Jenner was my idol when no. I was uh, in college, <laughs> high school, college. So, so. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, I'll take you over Bruce Jenner, over, over, over Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you, bro. Thank you. Um, yeah, like any business owner nowadays, you know, we need all the, you know, we need all the luck we, we can get now um, to get through this. And what, what's helping us push through really is just a belief that, you know, what we're doing as a business helps people. And, uh, you know, hopefully, tulungan na lang, you know. I mean, all, all businesses are struggling now. 
and uh, I think we should help out every kind of business now, especially those in the hospitality industry, tourism industry, food industry. Uh, if we have it, if we have it hard, I'm sure they have it even even tougher. You know? So I think that's really important uh, now that. Uh, we find a way to help everyone through it. Well, Toby, thank you very much. After all of this is over, I hope to join you on a bike ride out of town. Yeah, anytime. You just uh, let me know. Uh, you have a, you can, you can, uh, I, I'll lend you a bike, so you have no excuses. And, uh, and, uh, you got me. I know you run, so it's swim, swim na lang, okay? So you, you need to sign up for that triathlon. I just might, so I have time. I, I can still try. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Tony Claudio, for being here today. And um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by TechnoGym. We've partnered with TechnoGym for equipment recommendations for your home gym. So if you're looking for gear that will help you elevate your home gym experience to the next level, just go to technogym.com and type the Methods to Greatness promo code MTG. That's MTG, and we'll hook you up with the best premium home gym equipment in the market today. If you would like me to interview anyone on the face of the earth and want them on the podcast, or if you want to collaborate with us for future content or sponsorship opportunities, or if you just have any recommendations on how we can get better, just send us an email at hello at methodstogreatness.com. That's hello at methodstogreatness.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.